As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. With the DJ Scratch, that means we're live! Recording another episode of Burn and Return. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. My name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the Grass Factor. My and uh or martin you pick your poison there but it is what it is um and we have an absolutely fascinating episode for you today we are going to double down since we were off last week and uh, we're going to do one extended long episode today where we cover two shows worth of information in one the reason why we're going to do it this way is that there is just so much shit to cover this week that uh, and it's it, it it just it just makes more sense to roll it all into one. There's a lot of crosstalk here, and there's there's just a lot of stuff that needs to be talked about. Some information that we're following up on, some information that's brand new to us that we need to keep an eye on. Uh, some things that we're going to ask you while you're out in the field to be able to help us to uh, to put more research into into some of these things we're talking about, and some things for you to keep an eye on uh, to keep your bullshit alarm at an all time high because that is what we like to do here at Burn and Return. Alongside myself, we also have Mr. Ryan DeMay and Ray Ito. Gentlemen, how in the hell are you doing tonight? Well, after uh, the pre-show, I've uh, applied the medically directed ointment in the uh, particular areas that would prevent me from itching <laughs> those areas. And uh, frankly, I feel better. Uh, so did, did Ray, you did you go with our show sponsor Tough Actin Tenactin? Uh, yeah. Wait. Boom! <laughs> right there. Oh, sorry, it's blocked out a little bit, but that's all right. Yep, you got it. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's basically like propiconazole in a cream form. If you yeah. can, if 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 we had a sprayer ray, if we could make a trident that could apply an ointment. I think we'd all probably be better off than using propiconazole. We just use tenactin on everything, right? Can we atomize it? <laughs> we can't hear Ray, you. Ray, turn your mic on. Because I know I know you have an opinion about this. Ray, Ray's Ray's going to tell us about how uh, turf in Hawaii gets athletes' foot. <laughs> Ray has actually designed an atomizer applicator of tough actin tenactin. And uh, and he he just sprays it on the bad people to keep them at bay. Uh, yeah, Ray to, knows yeah, better than to let the fungus. Oh, here he is. In all right, the, the, all right. Can you hear me right now? Here. Okay, loud and clear. You know what? I do have an atomizer for that. In that, <laughs> if I wanted to apply tenactin, I'd probably <laughs> get a pump that's similar to an airless paint sprayer. I was going to say, 
Okay. Ray's out there with the Wagner power painter just misting down that fucking lawn. Just give it. <laughs> yeah, just, just give it what for. I mean, because, and true story, I think I, on the, the lawn forum, somebody asked me, literally asked me, if they could use an airless paint oh, rig. my sweet Jesus. And you know what I said? I, can see. I said, yes, you. Yes, you can. You sure can. And the reason why is because an airless paint rig is made to put down small amounts of material rather precisely. So I said, sure, sure you can. Just uh, mix well, strain out any uh, clumpy shit, and go for it. You heard it here, folks. By this time next year, we'll have a YouTube video out in a partnership with Home Depot that you can go into any Home Depot, get the bare uh, semi-gloss foundation, right? Go ahead and mix that Mm -hmm. up with your favorite pastel. Just pick a a color right there off the swatches and put some tough acting acting in there and just go to town in your lawn. So we'll have videos next year, Matt, with people uh, that have like a, a lavender pastel Maybe, you know, there's any number of colors you can go with on the uh, the Wagner Power Painter app. So I'm excited about that. I am too. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's go ahead and jump into this week's headlines and uh, let's, oh, start, yeah. let's start making people angry. <laughs> Thought we did that just by showing up. Nothing oh, yeah. You know. This is just the news, and there should be nothing to fear. But you know what? We are going to give it our best to absolutely freak you out. Just kidding. Um, for those of you that have ever heard um, that the the what, what was it that Alex Jones said? He's in the news right now, and everybody has heard him say that the chemicals in the water make the frogs gay. And then uh, you type into Google right now. You can type in to a Google search. Uh, atrazine and frogs. And we'll read from these sources real quick, just the headlines. Uh, This is going to be from uh, Berkeley University. Pesticide atrazine can turn male frogs into females. Uh, Another one from Berkeley, atrazine exposure disturbs frogs' sexual development. Uh, This is from PNAS. Uh, Atrazine induces complete feminization. This this is actually from a a, a journal, right? And we'll we'll talk about this a little later. Uh, From National Geographic, weed killer makes male frogs lay eggs. Uh, and then, of course, we have the other one from the NIH, again, by uh, Tyrone Hayes, uh, hermaphroditic demasculized, uh, demasculinized frogs after exposure to the pesticide uh, atrazine. Scientific American, a common herbicide, turns some male frogs into females. Uh, we have Niche Canada, chemical castration, white genocide and male extinction. Uh, atrazine works as an endocrine disrupting uh, chemical converting testosterone to estrogen in frogs, so therefore it may be happening to humans as well. And then in the New Yorker, uh, hermaphroditism uh, was induced in frogs by exposure to atrazine at levels 30 times below what the EPA permits, right? So this is not a new thing. This is not a partisan issue. This is not just uh, uh, Alex Jones being Alex Jones. Everyone has bought into this seemingly, right? Well, now the EPA is in uh, is bringing, uh, you know, at time, every every so often, uh, herbicides have to go back before review of atrazine. And uh, now is the time that atrazine is back in front of the EPA again. And, and uh, rightfully so, corn farmers are a little freaked out because they use a fair amount of atrazine. 
Uh, Dan Wesley uh, is a corn farmer, and atrazine is not only a herbicide, it's a great tool for his livelihood. He uses it for weed control, and it doesn't, and he doesn't have to till as much. Effective with other herbicides, it makes those other products work better, so he uses less of them. But the EPA is proposing to reduce the amount of atrazine farmers can use on their fields, and it's concerning Wesley. They're not eliminating it, but it basically does eliminate it. It makes it ineffective at a reduced rate. It just causes more problems. Hello, anyone who has ever heard of uh, herbicide resistance and already atrazine is one of the ones that's kind of leading the way in herbicide resistance and if you don't believe me back in the day when i got into this business simazine used to actually have post-emergent activity on poa annua and then when simazine mm-hmm. stopped working atrazine had uh, uh post-emergent herbicide activity on poa it actually worked very well and then when atrazine stopped working what we figured out is that we could spray it at low volume and for whatever reason, increasing the concentration but maintaining the rate, you could still get effective control of Poa annua. And then it stopped working. And that's the end of the story of atrazine in turf, right? Uh, well, at least in, in, in Bermuda grass for the control of, uh, of Poa annua. It still has some uh, uh, pre-emergent activity, and you're going to see it used in some of your uh, more obscure grass types, a la, uh, um, uh, what is it, centipede grass in St. Augustine, right? And uh, so anyway, Augustine, yeah, <laughs> and I'll kind of, and again, I, I want to make sure that everybody understands that this is a nonpartisan issue. So uh, it used to be a, uh, the EPA allowed up to 18 parts per billion, if I recall that correctly. Uh, and then we revisited, revisited that during the Obama administration. I think we corrected that down to uh, 13 parts per billion. Then I think during the Trump administration, it was raised from 13 to 15 parts per billion. And now the new proposals is to drop that down to like two to three parts per billion. Right. Uh, okay. and so, uh, it's in, and, and I want to point that out is that, is that, you know, no, this has not been a traditional left thing to get rid of atrazine. Uh, it has not been a traditional right thing to get rid of atrazine, even though there is, you know, a person like Alex Jones, who has made the argument atrazine has made the frogs gay for how many years have people heard that, right? Um, this is completely nonpartisan and, uh, and, and, and both sides. Now, what we are experiencing now with, uh, uh, with specifically the, uh, the Biden administration, he's the one, well, his administration is the one that at least that's going kind of rogue on this and turning it all the way down. Now, about this, and, and I'll, I'll let you gentlemen talk about this, regarding the frogs being gay in this. Uh, in 2002, <clears throat> Professor Tyrone Hayes and a group of his subordinates got a paper titled Hermaphroditic Demasculinized Frogs After Exposure to the Herbicide Atrazine at Low Ecological Relevant Doses, published in Proceedings of the National Academies of Science. It claimed that field levels, ex, uh, field level exposures of uh, the herbicide atrazine was resulting in the vocal abilities of frogs being warped, and then ultimately they were experiencing sex changes as a result of that. Uh, and as later exposed by the Wall Street Journal, his paper was not peer reviewed; it was hand walked past peer review by a member of the academy. Uh, his friend Dave Wake, uh, whose wife was running Hayes' department, used a then existing courtesy mechanism to review the paper him, uh, himself, and then. It, it's where it even gets weirder is that there's been a lot of follow-up studies after that that were not able to reproduce the same results of the original study. And so, um, but unfortunately, this is one of those things where the news gets a hold of it and then it gets run rampant throughout everyone and it fuels, you know, people like uh, uh, Alex Jones and, uh, and uh, you, you know, it's not that the, the, the there, there's something in the water is that the water will kill you type approach, right? And unfortunately, this has also been reiterated 
and uh, and and compounded and reinforced by National Geogra- Geographic, the National Institute of Health, uh, Berkeley University, um, uh, Scientific American. So you know, again, I want to point this out that everybody is crazy over the word chemical, and specifically. Uh, anything that the boogeyman can be pointed at will be pointed at. And uh, unfortunately, chemical seems to be the one. And even worse than the word chemical is the word pesticide. Uh, pesticide is always equated with death, right? Because oftentimes that's what it's used to do is kill things. Um, and so unfortunately, if it kills some things, therefore it must kill all things. And then, of course, is that argument, you know, the poison is in the dose kind of sort of deal, right? And uh, and then we've just gone into complete and total clown world, world over the whole thing where you can't talk about it because, unfortunately, you have the most reliable uh, 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 research institutions and uh, and government institutions in the in the world that are also repeating the same thing without a whole lot of uh, uh, collective uh, walk back from it when it's been exposed as uh, potentially having a major issue on the back on the, the the front end of it. Right. So, gentlemen, I wanted to get your take on this. Um, how are y'all going to handle it with uh, hermaphro- uh, intersex frogs? Am I and listen. If I'm not supposed to say the word hermaphrodite and I'm supposed to use the word intersex, I apologize. Look, I can't keep up. I'm 36 years old. It's probably changed <laughs> simple 17 times. Yes, I am. It has probably changed 17 times in the last 16 years. And uh, and I and I just don't know what's what's right anymore. But in according to the National Institute of Health, they use the word hermaphroditic. So I would assume that hermaphrodite is capable of being used. But this was also back in 2002, which was 20 years ago. And I, I don't know. A lot has changed since which then. Is, which is and painful I, to think about. And it is yeah, that, that part. Is, yeah, the fact that 2002 was 20 years ago. Um, but also what's painful to think about is how many times the definition of hermaphrodites probably changed since then, too. And that I'm probably going to get uh, get kicked off the Internet for that. So I don't know. Whatever. All right. Uh, <laughs> guys, talk to me. Genitalia is be what they may. I'll go ahead and comment on the issue at hand. Um, you know, I, I, I think. Folks are going to probably wonder, hey, atrazine, right? What is it and how is it used and things like that? To Matt's point in turf, it's been used for a while, for a, a long while, um, as a very effective tool in managing POA, especially, especially in the southeast, right, um, on warm season turf. It's kind of gone the other direction now because of what Matt has said, where we see resistance issues and some other problems with it in terms of controlling stuff. Now, on the flip side, though, you know, one thing I want to talk about, Ray, is pigweed. Pigweed is a very, very big problem here in the Midwest in uh, crop fields, particularly because it's uh, very resistant to glyphosate. So it's mm-hmm. uh, become very difficult to control with glyphosate. And what has been learned, right, over the last, oh, maybe 10 or so years, is that uh, atrazine combined with mesotrione, which we know as tenacity, uh, and what's mm-hmm. known as calypso Nasty. in agriculture, it has uh, a very good. Those two chemicals combined, mesotrione and atrazine, have a very good synergistic effect, right? So uh, Matt's talked a lot about in his previous catalog of videos and things like that, where uh, and, and I know Ray subscribes to this theory, and I do too. You know, using one mode of action, uh, especially on difficult to control weeds, is asking a lot of chemistry, right? It really, really mm-hmm. is. And so uh, some folks have figured out that, hey, 
this can be a tool, this can be a way that we can control this very difficult to control weed. But now this uh, regulation or the level of, of regulation that they're talking about and proposing could really put a dent in that. And so the question that you know, the farmer in the article, and I'm sure farmers all across the Midwest in particular have, is what do we do? You know, you, 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 you have villainized glyphosate and no, you know, notwithstanding the fact that it's not effective on some of the weeds that we're facing out here in the fields, but you're taking away another tool from me that allows me to not spray glyphosate, which is bad, right? That we consider to be bad, or at least societally considered to be bad. And now we're taking something else away. And so, again, this goes back to that whole velocity of change argument. Like, what are we filling? What are we backfilling the gap with here? Are we just left that, hey, we're going to accept that we're going to have lower yields, we're going to have poorer performance on herbicides and things like that, and we're just going to have to deal with it for a certain amount of time until technology catches up? Like, that's, that's where we're at. We're in this really, really weird space of um, not allowing some of this legacy stuff to stand by and I get it. I mean, you could say on the flip side of that argument, Ray, that, well, if we don't take it away, then there's no incentive for manufacturers and R&D to come up with something new and better and all that. However, maybe, Ryan, maybe, maybe but go ahead. But pick it up there. On what on what basis is this being taken away? Because I've read about atrazine and simazine being estrogenic and potential endocrine disruptors. I mean. That is of supreme concern to me, you know, given my medical history, right? Yet, when you actually dig into the actual research, if, in fact, atrazine and simazine had an endocrine-disrupting effect, that those two products would have been yanked from the market a long time ago. A very long time ago. And, Absolutely. And when this latest round of action is based on a paper or a study that didn't take into account other environmental pollutants present, like, for example, are you all familiar with something called phthalates? Phthalates, T H A L A T S. Like the who's a Bob Ross painted with a with a phthalo phthalo blue phthalo blue. No, was a phthalate. No, no, no. Phthalates. Happy clouds are next to the phthalo blue. Yeah, P H A L T. I'm at a loss to spell this, but anyway. Ray, Ray, can I have the language of origin, please? Yeah. You use it in a sentence. Sorry. <laughs> no. Anyway, phthalates are frequent additives to plastics and many, you know, consumer products, but phthalates are known endocrine disruptors and they're also considered rather persistent chemicals. And the next source of estrogenic chemicals in the water is none other than the massive amounts of birth control pills uh, consumed by women in the Western world. Because this whole 
frogs, you know, having identity issues Jesus is not only <laughs> in the United States, but this is also a subject in Europe, specifically Western Europe. Because, by the way, both atrazine and simazine are prohibited for use in many countries in Western Europe. It's not allowed. And I find it rather ironic because the manufacturer that, you know, first brought triazine herbicides onto the market was none other than the Swiss company that I know as Siba Geigi. And Siba Geigi oh, yeah. is now Syngenta, which is now none other than Chem, Chem China. China. Chem China. Right. Right. Well, listen, but- listen. I, I'm gonna I just want to say this as we as we as we segue off this article. I don't know in the uh long and illustrious history of this program if we've ever touched on more hot button issues in one fucking article <laughs> than Atrazine, Roundup, birth control, and China, and we did it all in less than ten minutes. And boys, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Let's go on let's, to the next one. Let's get this out of the way real quick. Monkeypox, monkeypox, monkeypox. Uh speaking of monkeypox, out of Fresno. <laughs> Uh, Uber for lawn care rolls into Fresno with a Green Pal app. Uh, oh. For those of you that are not a current, this is the pause. Uber of lawn care. Uh, did, did you tell me who pause? Uses fo- yes, I did. Because who okay. uses a, a a phone? Who uses a thousand dollar phone with those goddamn work gloves on? Can I ask that question? <laughs> what are you doing to yourself? No you know? human being on earth. Uh, I'm right, not sorry. even going to read this. Uh, so I, I, I did one of these as an experience one time, uh, and I used one <laughs> called uh, Lawn Love, right? And what was oh, okay. interesting about okay. Lawn Love, and it may be different than than Green Power, may not be different than Green Power, was that they actually would uh, sign up for uh, you could sign up for Furton Squirts, the Uber Furton Squirt as well too, right? It was really bizarre the way they did it, right? Is that they would give you a price to treat the lawn and then you build for your chemicals on top of that, right? So maybe you get like 25 bucks for your your visit to the lawn. And then they set their prices per thousand square feet, like for material costs based on like a bag of Scott's at Home Depot or a bag oh, of... Lord. Uh, or or a uh, a bottle of whatever or, or RTU uh, spray whatever that's at Home Depot. So it actually kind of worked out in your favor if you if you bought commercial commercially available herbicides through distributors, right? And so you still could make money for it. It wasn't great money, but you could make money doing it. And if you needed to to just pick up uh, additional work to fill your workday, it was a way to get it done. Now. What they could not do was vet customers. And so a lot of times a customer would have you come out in April or May and ask you to do an aeration and overseed. And you show up and they have a 60-foot uh, white oak out there that has a, uh, a, a canopy that's you know 100 foot wide. And then they have a front yard that's 20 by 20, right? And then you have to call the customer and explain, like, look, what you don't need is an aeration overseed. And they're like, okay, can you fertilize it? And they're like, no, 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 buddy. Do you see that tree there? Grass is not going to grow there ever. That's why you don't even have any weeds there. It's like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. funny you say that. I always wondered why it was just bare dirt under it. And like, yeah, because of the damn tree. I mean, there's nothing that's ever going to grow there. And then they have to call 
uh, Lawn Love after that and explain that, uh, well, yeah, the technician came out and he was like, yeah, I'm foobard. And uh, so he was yeah, like, if don't you don't pay anything. me naked, I, I'm not doing this fucking treatment. There's just <laughs> no then, way about it. And then Lawn Love calls and they're like, why would you talk the customer out of the application? And you're like, because I'm not going to boink them, you know, like, yeah, like, ethics? sorry, I'm not going to nutscape and just leave the photo on the guy's front porch like that. So. I, I, I wish you would. I wish there should be a service. Just like Bikini Maze, there should be a nutscaping lawn <laughs> service that with every single treatment, there's a nutscape on the lawn. So uh, if you don't know that, search for nutscaping, uh, especially if you're not at work, go ahead and do it. If you are, I strongly recommend you don't do that. But Do it in is, incognito. Here's my question. Here's my question on this. Like, I get why uh, there are startups out there built around this premise, right? The uberfication and you know, making of it everything. I, gentlemen, here's the question I have for you. What is the floor? And then what is the basement? What is below the ground floor of the gig economy? Can I ask that just as a societal question of both of you? Uh, you know, is it somebody cutting and coming in and cutting up your steak in the correct sizes so that you bite it and don't choke on it? Like wh where do we go? as a society here with the gig economy and, and let me let me explain some something this is not the gig economy but when i heard this i literally wanted to jump out of my vehicle at 90 miles an hour uh this is the gig and, economy. this is this is totally like hey come just take this job and i'll pay you a flat fee fuck you if you don't it's it's yeah. it's the it's the it's the fee for everything type approach right so bmw is is playing around with the idea of I saw this. Your car is going to have all the amenities, but you can only enable the amenities based on a yes. monthly fee, right? So if you want saw that. Based on a subscription. You know, based on a yes. Yeah. But, and to but me, it's that... kind of in the same vein. It's it's the, it's yeah, the that's, same that's vein. The recurring, it's the recurring revenue model. That, that I mean, these are all different tactics, right, to make money, right? How can yeah. I make my service easier to sell, right? So you get the gig economy, you get the Uber of lawn care, but the whole recurring revenue stream thing of, hey, I don't want to sell you a lifetime subscription in just one shot, right? I want to sell you a $10 a month heated seat, or I want to sell you, <laughs> you know, a uh, $100 a month. Well, if you're Deshaun Watson, it's actually a little bit more expensive. $100 million a month uh, subscription to the Oriental Massage Parlor. I mean, whatever. I'm saying that because he's a piece of shit, not because I'm a fan either. I am a Browns fan, but that guy's a, a, a piece of human trash. But I'm just saying, like, you've got people that have put a price to everything. And it's just not that way, is it? Or am I wrong? Am I, am I like, too old-fashioned to think that, hey, there's still some shit you got to do yourself? And yes, I, and you're exactly that, right. Meaning, though, oh, that you like, right. even if you don't want right. to do it, you go out and find and hire a competent company. You don't just go on an app and hope that whoever shows up you know, some Tom, Dick, and Harry isn't going to ask you to pay naked, isn't going to double up your yard because he thinks you're a piece of shit and uh, is going to use the correct products at the correct time. Yeah. Under you, that see, you see, this whole uh, Uber of lawn care basically almost begs for what our good friend Busy Bees calls a chuckle fuck in a truck. Make a mess. I coined that term. I coined leave. that term for him. Yeah, but then he, you know, turned me on to that. He said, Ray, you know what MA calls this? The chuckle fuck in a truck. I said, oh dear. And it's not chuck in a truck. It's chuckle fuck it's, in a truck. 
Yeah, it's a chuckle fucking a truck. And you know what? <laughs> this just I'll mow your lawn. $20. For some, for some shit, piece of shit to come do that. And at the same time, <laughs> I do see this uh, locally where I've got some clown show where he has this uh, billboard or sign on top of his vehicle that says, oh, I'll mow along for $25. And you know what I'm thinking? $25 is what I charge to answer my fucking phone. Okay? I was going to say it said Papa John's, and then underneath it just said lawns. He put that in there with, like, a yeah, Sharpie or because something. I don't know what you Y'all can want some, do you want some garlic for 25 that bucks. Man. That's worth doing. I have no idea what would be worth doing for $25 because to me, if something is worth doing, I don't want to it's worth doing that, right. Actually. Yeah, it's I worth agree. Doing right. and, and, and that's, that's <laughs> what I get at is like, where is the floor? Not just financially, but just in terms of asking somebody to do something for you. So, hey, I, <laughs> Jay I, Pink, I, I just privately. Did oh, Jay Pink just privately shared one that is a fiber, uh, which is the epitome of the gig economy, uh, <laughs> and it is animal <laughs> energies. I will teach you to telepathically communicate with your pets oh, for Lord. five bucks, mind you. Uh, that that may be oh, the basement. You know what? That well, listen. I I have more respect for the people that put in the time and stand by the freeway off ramp for seven eight hours and make more money than this guy, fucking guy does. Yeah. Look at that cat. That cat doesn't want to talk to anybody. Why is he going to tell to communicate with you? All of your guts. Yes. yes. <laughs> He's silently figuring out ways to kill you and then hide your body in the litter box. There's no doubt about it. All right. Maybe, let's move maybe on. eat pieces at a time. That's, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Your nipples. So we'll start with your nipples. <laughs> uh, the next one here is uh, Anuvia has a new iteration. And for those of you that do not know, Anuvia, Anuvia is a startup, like a 10 year startup. Uh, out of uh, out of Florida, and what was fascinating is that they were taking uh, the sewer sludge from the wastewater treatment facility of Disney and running it through a process of where they were putting it into these hydrolysis chambers, injecting uh, sulfuric acid and anhydrous ammonia to make a homogeneous biosolid ammonium sulfate. And they are moving on into their next iteration, which is called Simtrex XP. Uh, be on the lookout. They are doing tours around the country right now to let people in on this. As of right now, they have not gone into very many specifics other than that they are adding a microbial agent to this uh, that is uh, going to take it uh, further. Now, what and this is where particularly I don't know if they have developed their own microbial or are they using their Simtrix as a carrier for something that's already out on the market like Pivot Bio that is showing uh, good efficacy. They're also saying that uh, their their next iterations of Simtrex XP will also be able to add units of phosphorus, probably through microbials as well too, because I'm sure that's in development by companies like Pivot Bio and stuff. So kind of an interesting take here. Now, uh, Anuvia is one of those companies and I, and I have, uh, I, I have tons of respect for their hustle because I know exactly what they have to go through, at least on a much smaller scale but where they have shined exceptionally compared to the rest of the people that have tried to enter this space is their ability to raise money. And that 100% falls on the back of Amy Yoder as their CEO. She is an absolute fucking rock star when it comes to raising money. This is a company that has raised 
I think over $300 million right now. And at mm. one point they had raised a quarter of a billion dollars on like $5 million of revenue, maybe $10 million of revenue. Nothing. Wow. And they're still raking in that much cash. So uh, you don't do that. Normal people cannot do that. Uh, and I don't care how well connected you are, uh, showing a $5 million uh, 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 <laughs> On your on your P and L five million dollars of revenue, and you have outstanding debts of two hundred and fifty million dollars. Uh, you do not raise any more money. Yet Amy Yoder has been able to do that, and the only reason why is that she is a fucking rock star. And it's not just that she's able to convince people to buy into the concept. She's got a a team behind her at Anuvia that has also built into the has also bought into the concept. And arguably the the strongest buy-in of any concept to hit the fertilizer market in the last I don't know since I've been alive, and uh, and so I I absolutely one hundred percent respect the shit out of uh, that level of of dedication, skill, and uh, uh, communicability that that she has and is, has brought to the market. Now, on the other hand, is that I be critical of this until I better end of what their microbial action, what their microbial product that they're sparging onto this is. If it is something from Pivot Bio that shows that they can capture, you know, a pound uh, uh, per thousand, 40 pounds an acre of of nitrogen from the atmosphere, in addition to the Simtrix product, I, then I think that's an absolute home run of a type of product. Um, it, but if they're not, and they've developed their own internally and they're not going to be very forthcoming with the data of what they're using and how they're getting it and, uh, what their overall benefit of it is that could be independently verified, uh, then that is going to, to, uh, lead me into a, into a world of weirdness. Now, here's the other thing is that they're also a recipient of a very large grant that has come on from the federal government. The federal government is interested in developing uh, fertilizer technologies from U.S. companies. And uh, and so they were awarded a very, very large grant. And I don't know if this is a product of that grant or not, but um, in addition to the 300-something million dollars that they've raised, they've also secured a shit ton of money from this grant as well, too. Uh, and this may be a product of that. So I don't know, something to keep an eye on. Have y'all heard anything more about this other than what this article is saying? Now, I do want to have J-Pink, though. If you can go to the article, there's a couple of sound bites in there from the meeting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Play the second one real quick. I, I, you know, you just I, I hear this and just react, right? Starting in 2023, we're going to take a series of their microbials, and we're going to put it on the Pause. granule and deliver that. So he says they're going to take a portion of their microbial so I, it's somebody yeah. else's stuff and he said they're going to mm -hmm. put it on the granules all right let's go let me know it's somebody else's to the acre it's the first time it's been done that way and because of the bio-based nature of the granule it's a really nice host for these microbials we've taken the same microbials and put them on synthetic nutrition ams urea it's not a very friendly environment the microbial struggle to survive when you put it on a, on this bio-based granule simtrex 20s it not only survives oh my thrives. gosh and so simtrex oh my gosh 20S xp which you see in this treatment right here adds a, an additional 10 units of phosphorus through that microbial you know what right, so how how i'm just asking because i can't wrap my head around it 
and I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what uh, what could this host be that's coming out in a granular form that's somehow protecting these microbials? Help me out here. Okay, the only way I can see a bacteria or a microbe being stable in storage, not under refrigeration, would be if it were a spore of some kind. And normally, spore-forming bacteria freak me the fuck out because do you know what forms? <laughs> do you know what forms spores? Do you know what kind of bacteria forms spores? What's that? Anthrax and botulism. <laughs> and then I was watching my YouTube feed uh, last night over dinner, and the only two guys that laugh this guy, at anthrax today. This guy, this guy was talking about a bacterial spore that is carried in rice, and this is why it is extremely dangerous to keep rice at room temperature. No doubt. After your rice is cooked, it has to be cooled down and refrigerated immediately or else your rice may give you a very nasty surprise. But the bacteria responsible for that is called Bacillus cereus. And this Bacillus forms a spore. And that spore is carried in the uncooked rice. It survives the rice being cooked. And that spore then comes back to life and reanimates after the rice has been cooked and the rice is under 130 degrees Fahrenheit. So things that are in spore form, I mean, and furthermore, here's my next question. Has the biosolid material that Anuvia is using, has that been tested for forever chemicals? <laughs> so one of the things I can say is that they are not using biosolids anymore. They they maxed out. There's, there was something that happened with Disney. I don't know what exactly it was. It's it's not what they're doing anymore. Now they're focusing more on food scraps than they are on the waste. Uh, so but, Matt, food scraps in can contact also contain with plastics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, it, it it is interesting. It would be something I would like to see. I know they use a lot of protein hydrolysate on their label now versus. Um, uh, uh, biosolids that that used to be on it, and that protein hydrolysate, you know, food waste uh, hydrolysis tank, you know, sulfuric acid and hydrosomonia. Do you see where I'm going with that kind of thing, right? So, you know, that reaction is a hydrolysis reaction, and then you know the, you know, you're combining mm-hmm. an organic matter with a, a homogenized with a, or a, uh, a what what do they call it? A complex or a um, what's the word? I'm a, a matrix. They're calling it a, a matrix. matrix between yeah. the organic and the and the uh, chemical component, right? So, I, you know, there's a lot of, of word artistry taking place there, but I think the, at least the, the factual thing that they're stating here, the claim that they're making that can be uh, looked at is these 
10 units for a microbial. Now, we do know that there are phosphorus mobilizing, phosphorus solubilizing bacteria uh, that are going to exist in the soil. Are they taking that and then releasing what is already in the soil beyond what corn exudates are going to be able to provide? And that's why, <laughs> you know, this is this is going to be something better than what we've seen before. Um, I, I don't know. And I think that's left to be unpacked, you know, and so but if you're running into a situation where you're phosphorus deficient, you're still going to have to supplement with phosphorus. A microbial is not up to this point that I, I'm familiar with, not create phosphorus, yet it would mine phosphorus. So phosphorus is not there and it's not detectable, especially on a test that's way over detectable, like Malik 3. Um, if it's not showing up on a Malik 3, is, are they making the claim that this will show up now? Or are they saying that if you have 35 units of phosphorus on a Malik 3 is that you can solubilize, you know, 10 units of that phosphorus that's soil available, right? So I don't know, a lot to unpack. And I, and I really, I really hope uh, that there's some transparency around this shortly. If you are in an opportunity where you can go check this out. Um, so Anubia, let's see, I looked this up here. They are having seminars across the country and if you give me just a second here, I'll tell you exactly where it is. The Future of Fertilizer Tour 2022. Uh, we have, uh, a lot, well, the majority, they're all passed now. I apologize. No one's going to be able to see them anymore. Um, if you did go to these, please reach out to us. We'd like to hear more about it um, and, and, the, and the claims that are being made so we can at least wrap our brain around it. Because, again, if this is being used in agriculture, there's a high probability that this will make its way to turf, too. And, uh, and if it is, then of course it needs to be vetted just because it's used in agriculture doesn't mean it should be used in turf grass and vice versa. Uh, a lawnmower hits an old pipeline and spills 180,000 gallons of oil. Uh, I love this where it's titled incredibly idiotic. And there's another line in this where, uh, I, I giggled out loud, but I probably shouldn't have. And it's this first line right here. The world's worst landscaper reportedly ran over a 72-year-old oil pipeline in Chester County, Tennessee with an industrial strength lawnmower and spilled more than 180,000 gallons of crude oil near fragile wildlife and drinking water resources. It's a little strong to go ahead and deduce that this is the world's worst landscaper. And I'm not sure what an industrial strength lawnmower is. That sounds like a detergent or uh, some sort of corrosive <laughs> material, but uh, I, we could just say a commercial mower would probably uh, uh, be a bit more appealing than the uh, the charged term industrial strength lawnmower. It's fascinating. Uh, the June accident caused a seven inch puncture in the line, according to federal investigation results published by WPLN. Although the puncture was small, relatively speaking, pressure in the pipeline was high. Uh, the pipeline operator have increased pressurization since the country's fracking boom and the reversal of the U.S. oil export ban in 2015. That means oil companies are pushing more product faster and with little government oversight. Uh, a part of that problem maybe too, is that we're kind of in a, a, a shitty situation right now where oil prices are at, at uh, damn near record highs. And so that may also parlay into it. And I don't know if you recall uh, where the uh, we had uh, the administration telling us that uh, if, if it wasn't the gas stations that were, uh, you know, raking too high of margins, it was that uh, uh, the refineries were not producing at a fast enough rate. So, you know, again, let's, yeah, a bit of a squeamish a little consolidation here. Anyway, 
In addition, the spill uh, uh, occurred next to the Memphis Sand Aquifer Recharge Zone, which feeds into Tennessee's largest groundwater source. Although the public wasn't affected, WPLN reported that the Tennessee Department of uh, Environmental Conservation, TDEC, is monitoring the water. They were able to recover 75% of the oil that spilled. So, interesting kind of deal here. Bad luck on this guy's part. If you do see something while you're out in the field, by God, please, please do not just run over a pipe for the hell of it. Now, there's probably a high probability that this guy had uh, no idea whatsoever that he probably did not see the uh, the pipe at all. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's one of those things where you accidentally hit it and Lord have mercy, are you in for a wild surprise when 180,000 gallons of crude oil start, uh, start pouring out? That's a bad day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. That is that's horrible. And uh, what do you think is this situation? My God, I mean, uh, start calling people. But speaking to your point, this is why, you know, for overgrown areas, I don't like to see mechanical cutting machinery put into overgrown areas. This is one of the reasons why. And, you, and that's because my guess is, is that old boy had a big uh, bush hog uh, attached to a case or a kubota, and he was just going to town unbeknownst what was underneath all of that high vegetation, and whoops, <laughs> right? Whoops. Uh, yeah, big, big whoops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I hope I, uh, I, I can only imagine what's going through the world's worst landscaper's mind there, but uh, I'm I'm sure he is plenty <laughs> freaked out. Uh, in New York, we are continuing to keep a close eye on the biochar plant. I'm not sure why they keep calling it a fertilizer plant. I think that is done at the behest of this biochar company, which is Saratoga Biochar Solutions. I think they don't want to be seen as just a biochar company, and that's why they keep using the word fertilizer in this. Although there will be some reclamation of nitrogen and phosphorus out of this place, it is a bit of a stretch to call this a fertilizer company when the majority of what they're going to be doing is just purely pyrolyzing sewage sludge. Um, and for those of you that did not know, the vote on this has been delayed, and so they can review. I think they've got an additional 45 days to review the proposals put uh, put together uh, and put before the board, the planning commission in Saratoga here to uh, to figure out what they want to do with it. Now, here is the thing, and uh, and we've said this before, and we'll go ahead and repeat it again for those of you that are watching for the first time or listening for the first time, as the majority of you are definitely listening, um, is that uh, – the, the issue with this of them pyrolyzing sewage sludge is that their pyrolysis temperatures, according to the EPA, are not getting high enough to destroy PFAs and PFOAs, the PFAS that we keep talking about, right? And the local town is kind of freaking out about it, and they don't really know, uh, they don't feel confident in the answers they're getting from Saratoga Biochar Solutions. Then there's some other things that are going to is that there's going to be significantly more truck traffic on the road to move this from point A to point B. What happens if these trucks turn over and spill, it, which I, I understand, but I kind of feel like that's that's just the risk of doing business, right? Um, however, I think that's something that can be addressed is specifically to have a process to mitigate PFAS 
then they need to explore it. Now, the same thing recently published in the journal of uh, the chemical engineering journal, uh, they are looking at ways of dealing with sludge of getting rid of PFAS. Uh, and, and so it, again, this is way, way new into the research, uh, um, uh, zone here. And I will share this. So, uh, J pink can at least put it in the show notes if anybody's uh, interested in learning about it. Uh, but what they're looking at is a specific process where they are using sludge and EDTA, uh, citric acid. Uh, as a method of treating the sludge prior to or, or uh, treating the sludge during py pyrolysis uh, to uh, take advantage of oxidation to destroy these PFAS in some form or way. Um, so there's something here. And if this is the path they're going, I feel like now is the time for them to be completely transparent about this, right? Um, because if, if, if they've unpacked something and, and they have a way to get rid of it and instead of just saying that, well, the EPA says that we can destroy it here and they're like, no, we can do it at this temperature because, you know, 900 C is a lot different than what, uh, uh, the EPA is saying takes 1200 C, right. Which I think is what they're saying, you know, get it out there, be, be, be honest and open and transparent about it. And I promise that will be the fastest way to get your business approved. And not only that. Saratoga Biochar Solutions, there's going to be a hundred other biochar companies out there knocking at your door wanting your technology for having that ability because not everybody has that right now. And let me tell you, there are a shitload of biochar companies out there with their thumb up their ass with a ton of fucking money right now, and they don't know how to spend it and they don't know how to build a product that works. So you have the potential to be the front runner on this damn thing if you do have it figured out. And if you don't, then you're fucked just like the rest of them are because at some point that money's going to dry out and you can only play this card for so long. This happened again from 2008 to 2012 where the money was flush in the biochar industry. And guess what? It fucking ran out and everybody got exposed in that space for running gigantic scams. And if you don't believe me, look up the various biochar companies that were pure biochar companies that are still no longer out there. Uh, it's the overwhelming fucking majority of them, right? Everything from Ponzi schemes to you name it. Uh, lots of suicides that took place, a couple of murders, uh, a lot of people that died. I'm not shitting you. And the reason why is that it, it became that you can only run this for so long before the truth starts to come out, right? Where they're making diesel fuel, they're making aviation fuel, they're making all this and they're making all that. And they start selling it and then they can't deliver on it. And then people start wondering, hey, I paid you a significant sum of money. Where the fuck's my product kind of sort of thing. And when that mm -hmm. happens, especially in international affairs, people start drowning in six inches of water. And then people are scratching their head wondering, oh, man, I fucked up, didn't I? So, again, right now, while the money's flush, get out in front of it and do good work. And you have the opportunity to really change the game. But if you don't you don't have it and you're running another one of these fucking scams you will get caught and i hope i hope you do not get buried for it so anyway that's my take on that what do y'all have to say that was uplifting <laughs> was i'm just really i'm uplifting. just trying to uh, i'm just trying to figure out how we went from buy you're trying to figure out how we went from biochar to a oh, look at this. You just got nuked. Now we can't even hear you. Your mic's off. Is it, is it off? 
Oh, it's on now? now. It's on. No, I was no, going to say, we, we went from biochar to, oh, this guy accidentally had a heart attack and fell out of a window at the same time. Mm-hmm. When people when people are found uh, hung to death in a tree and they have a shotgun blast in their chest simultaneously, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's a it's a weird thing when that immediately gets named a suicide and they're also being investigated for stealing, you know, tens of millions of dollars. It's weird. Okay, I it's it's similarly to where uh, I, this has happened uh, locally where people would get buried at the low tide mark at the beach <laughs> okay they get buried and you see the way you avoid getting buried is number one don't mess around with the uh with the street walkers and number two, stay away from the uh, backdoor gambling operations because when you cannot pay your marker, uh, remember my, my thing about how I always like more sand? That would be the instance where I don't want more sand. <laughs> All right. All right, boys, let us move on to this week's Joe Knows Turf. Joe Knows Turf. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm going to give you a bunch of accurate turf facts today. Because, because Joe, Joe knows turf. turf. Yes, he does. And DeMay has us absolutely smoked on one today. And uh, I do not know what's going to be coming up on the screen. So, DeMay, <laughs> walk us through this week's episode of Joe Knows Turf. Well, today, boys, I'd like to hit you from the sports turf realm, as a matter of fact, because uh, yesterday there was a uh, an exhibition, a preseason game played at Soldier Field uh, with the Bears as the home team. And Jay Pink, go ahead and throw up the original tweet that I shared with you here. So uh, scroll down a little bit. Let's just show the field, and I'll, I'll read this. Is uh, you know. Here's the here's the rub of it is the field looked looked bad. It did not play bad, but it looked bad. And the reason why, gentlemen, if you might ask, some of you might say, well, she's how they put this out there for an NFL game. The reason was, Jay Pink, go ahead and throw up the uh the other picture. This was Elton John in the heaviest stage that's ever been on a North American stadium field ever. Goodness me. Right there, and this was Friday of last week, so not the day before the game, but eight days prior. So the way this all worked out is they finished this this uh, show up late Friday night. Saturday they started the teardown, and probably sometime Saturday night, Sunday morning, all of this flooring, which is pedestrian flooring here, and what you can't see is, is down the stage, it's all flooring. It's a lot thicker. It takes up uh, a lot more space in terms of you know the the, uh, the the height right in between the top of the turf and what's actually drivable. So it's a little bit thicker in that sense. 
And so what's happened here is that we've got a scenario where uh, you know a bunch of people have piled on. Jay Pink, if you want to go back to that original tweet and go down to the quote tweets, and let's just see what some of these people had to say. You know, uh, we've got... <laughs> It's interesting. Go to the quote tweets, actually, because that's where slide up a go little up, bit. Go up, go up, go up, go up. Right, right there where it there, says quote there, tweet. Yeah, yeah. There you go. What the f? <laughs> Multiple different people offering up. By where's Taco their Wallace? Opinions. I'm sure just a big brain. Uh, Bears are a cheap team, and the Ch- Chicago Park District is just as bad. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm pretty sure the local oh, okay. government maintains the field. They need a private Yikes. lawn crew. It would be interesting to see who's <laughs> in charge and where they work before. Mm. All right, pause. So right there, let's stop. Let's stop for a second. So a couple of things that came from this, gentlemen. Number one, everybody, everybody piled on yesterday to the grounds crew and to the sports field managers and the people that take care of this field. Now, it is a weird situation in the fact that the Chicago Park District owns Soldier Field and takes care of it for the Bears. The Bears are just merely a tenant, right? So all sorts of things happen there, like concerts and then football games and then concerts again and then football games, so on and so forth. And so it's a little uh, undue for the groundskeeper to get all the flack when, in fact, we've got a situation here where an event's scheduled you know, seven, eight days before the first preseason game, and you know what? We get in a situation where the ground school is told, hey, guess what? We don't care what the fuck you want, what you need. But you know what? We're having a concert because we need to make some money. And guess what? We're having a preseason game because the Bears are our primary tenant. And we have no choice. And you want to sod something or you want to do something? No, no, no. We're, we're not going to go out and spend a quarter million, $300,000 to go ahead and pull up this sod and then put down thick cut sod and be able to play that game on Saturday. No, huh? Not for a preseason game. We're not doing that. So we'll just take what we get. And the fact that these folks were left hung out to dry, I mean, hung out to dry. There was nobody that came on here and was like, hey, it's this, it's that. Here's the reason why. It was strictly, hey, the field was in eh, not so good condition. And to be fair, to be really fair, I, I, the, there's a couple of things I want to address here, boys, is Sports turf's a lot different than most most types of things, right? It doesn't Fucking necessarily right. matter how it looks. It doesn't matter how it looks necessarily. It's important how it looks, but it's not necessary with how it looks to play well. Same thing with a golf course, right? I think in lawn Absolutely. care, we are we are so focused on how things look from an aesthetic point of view that we don't understand when we get into sports turf and golf course turf that how it plays is far, far more important than how it looks. And so I, I want to start this off by saying that this is completely superficial. There is nothing on this field that would cause it to be de- detrimental to play, especially at the highest level at the NFL. So that's number one. Number two, and I want to get your guys' take on this, is you know, how long, how long would you all put up with Somebody basically saying, hey, you know what, uh, Matt or Ray, uh, Ray, I've got to have the bowling green looking good. Or Matt, I need to have this lawn at this you know, high-end property looking good. But you know what, I'm going to hold a fucking, Matt, I'm going to hold a graduation party on that. And Ray, I'm going to hold a goddamn cocktail dinner on that lawn three or four or seven days before 
when I need it to look good. What would you all you know say what? to that? You know what? I would say, oh, that's cool. Uh, I hope somebody's got the money to put where their freaking mouth is because we might be looking at a strip and a resod. Period. And if you don't have the money or the means to do so, then you seriously, seriously consider how you treat that turf. Uh, because I, I, I'm kind of in a similar situation right now where I deal with a property where they have the wrong grass in the wrong place, but that property is hired out for weddings every single week, and it will continue to be hired out for weddings well into November or December. So mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, I ran into a, an issue where these people, due to lack of education, whatever, they told me, oh, no, we... We don't want the grass growth regulated. Well, guess what? PGR is one of my main tools for mitigating the main issue with this grass being in the wrong place in that I utilize this PGR, for example, to help the grass deal with low light conditions, excessive shading, because... I told these people, okay, I can go without the PGR, but you see all the coconut trees and whatever shading this lawn? All these freaking trees got to come down right now. <laughs> Everything's a you trade-off. Mean, you know I'm a head case. I would not be able to psychologically <laughs> handle that kind of pressure. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. <laughs> and then the Welcome second thing my fucking I world, would say... Matt. In response to this is uh, how many people had uh, injuries due to turf giving way under them? Okay. Then everybody can shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Yes. Yes, exactly. Suck my dick and shut the fuck up. And if you feel like you need to talk some more, eat it again. All right. So then (laughs) let's let's look at this real quick. There's a couple other things I want to bring to light. Right for the the general population that's uh, listening to the show. So go ahead and slide up J Pink on the original tweet I sent you, and let's see what J C Treader, who is the president of the NFL Players Association, had to say. He says the NFL said this is this field met the minimum testing standards. We clearly need to reevaluate what is an acceptable surface for players to compete on. We need new testing metrics looking at the performance and safety of every field. The NFL can and should do better. Now, so what you know, JC? Huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. What who is, JC who is, is referring to? He is the yeah, president. Who? He's a he's a player. He's a current player. I think he's a free agent right now. He's a current player, and he's the president. He's the president of the union, right? The players' union. And mm-hmm. so JC's advocated in the past that all surfaces in the NFL need to be natural grass because he thinks that mm-hmm. synthetic is unsafe. Interesting position. I, I I would tend to agree with him for a variety of reasons. But in this case, he says that the, the field met the metrics and the standards that the NFL has in place. And the NFL actually has a testing protocol that all clubs, regardless of whether it's synthetic or natural grass, 
have to pass within 72 hours of kickoff, right? So they do that, the field's certified, mm-hmm. and it's ready. To, the NFL says it's good to go. He's saying they need to go beyond that. And I would love to sit down with JC and say, to what degree do you need to go down the rabbit hole? Do we need to have a certain color of green? Do we need to hit something on the Pantone chart? Do we need to have a swatch mm-hmm. out there that says, hey, it needs to all be the same color? Because, again, we're just dealing with superficial bullshit damage. I mean, a lot of this stuff is either foot traffic, it's people puking, and it's going through the floor, and you got fucking stomach acid killing grass, things like that. But there's nothing out there, right, that would render somebody unsafe. So, all that being said, right, you've got these different issues at play, right? And then I want to I take it to another level. Because, here we go. <laughs> Let me send this here to Jay Pink. Somebody sent this to me. Because there were some angry tweets that came out, and somebody sent this over to me here last night, and I would like to point this out. Here is a guy that comes out and says, hey, the soil scout sensors, which are fine sensors, they're good stuff, they're in-ground sensors, do a great job, no problem with them, offers three main data points solidity, moisture, and temperature. This allows for turf managers to optimize turf conditions at the desired numbers on their property to allow for additional steps needed for player safety. Blah, Exclamation blah, blah, right. All right. <laughs> right. So yeah. uh, the, the, <laughs> now, now go ahead and click the responses because I, there, this was the, the mean tweet that was sent to me, and I'll read this on air. Oh, wait, show replies. Go up, click show replies. Okay. So this account, uh, which I, I, well, I can say the abbreviated name. It's Real MFers in Turf. I love this guy. I love this guy. This was like 11 o'clock last night. I got this and I was laughing my ass off. All right. It says, quote unquote, oh shit, Charlie. We got to cancel the fucking game on Sunday. Why, you ask? No, no. Not because Elton John had a massive stage on the field for three goddamn days. Nope, it's because the electrical conductivity of the soil is too high. Meaning that that's one of the things that the soil got rid Real MFers and turf, who I think truth, goes on to say, stop shilling and help everybody solve the real problem. So there's a delete tweet. Somebody, somebody here responded. I don't know who it was. And it says the VWC, which I believe stands for volumetric water content. Water content (laughs) of your mouth is elevated from all the diarrhea that's leaking out. Please educate yourself in the NFL field certification process. Furthermore, there are better ways to market your product than pouncing on a bad situation for someone in our industry. And all I have to say with that is, I applaud you, Mr. Real MFers or Mrs. Real MFers. Could be could be a gay frog, but you know what? The fact, <laughs> gentlemen, I just wanted to highlight this because the buy my shit people are not just in the YouTube space. They're not just in the homeowner space. They're not in the prosumer DIY space. They are everywhere. And you They're know everywhere, what? everywhere, right? Yeah. The, the fact, listen, I don't care what industry you're in. If you are going to sit there and wait until something bad happens and then jump in and say, well, hey, I've got the solution. At somebody's weakest moment, you yourself, sir or madam, are a piece of fucking shit. Can we uh, can we all agree on that? Yeah, absolutely. That? Yeah, because you see, uh, when somebody says they have the solution or the answer, 
You know what I'm going to tell them to do? I'm going to tell them to go kiss Ryan's hairy ass because they're bullshitting me. <laughs> they're lying. Anybody that says they have the solution without any understanding of all the nuances to that situation, they're lying. They just Ray, have shit to sell you. <laughs> I just got to make sure that you haven't gotten my personal medical history and seen my monkeypox chart. How did you know my ass was hairy? You said it before. You said it oh, before. Okay. That's fair, why. Fair, fair, fair. Hey, fair. Ryan, right. you got it. You got uh, a little should... deep on the nutscaping pictures. Come on. Yeah, because <laughs> that angle was Ryan... just pitched up just enough. Yeah, you had an ball angle. Is that is that needed, is that ball hair or ass hair? Is that ball hair or ass? But in but in any case, a little too much. Yeah, but in any case, a little shorter, shorter, curlier up there. People like this, they are a pox on society because Monkey they go box. around selling oversimplified solutions to problems or in some cases some of these pieces of crap go around making problems that they then have to sell solutions for and I'm not going to name names oh yeah no no doubt no, I, so <laughs> I'm not going to name names the thing is crazy and Demay the, the part that really chaps my ass is that how they believe that they could get into someone's head well, well first off the fact that chances are there's going to be a turf manager out there that sees that soul sensor post and is like oh you know what I bet I ought to do that to my field too because if oh, I Lord. have a concert seven days or a band practice or a band whatever and my high school field seven days before, if I had that sensor and I could test EC water content and soil temperature, it may help me recover from it. And But the thing is, is that when we're talking about that kind of traffic, how the fuck those three metrics are supposed to parlay into sort of any kind of actionable data on the back end is beyond me. And it's laughable to think that's even a, 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 a serious approach. But unfortunately, we only have the people of, of, of our own ilk that do end up pulling the trigger on that to fucking blame. And I, that's why I, this is why I love Joe knows turf. It's not so much just to say that these people are, 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 are propagating a metric ton of shit out into the atmosphere, into the turf or lawn or a garden or uh, agricultural atmosphere. But it's also for the people that immediately get into their head that, you know what? I bet I ought to check that out to give them an opportunity to, to, to pause what they're doing and actually think about it before they show support into something that is not going to fucking offer them an iota of help. And, and so if no. we have to help them through tough love, by God, let's offer it to them. And at the same time, if we could tell these people to shut the fuck up that are going to try and take advantage of a situation to do whatever it is to further to, to, to bolster their P&L, and it, and it ends up causing them to concern and, uh, and, and an opportunity to second guess on what uh, 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 inopportune situation to spew their bullshit into. God, I hope that helps as well, too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with this. Now, as stupid as all this is that we just talked about, right? Would you believe, would you believe that this is going to get replicated again in three weeks? Because on September 3rd, Soldier Field's going to host Ramstein of Duhast. Oh, Lord. Du, oh Lord, Duhas, Duhas, Mish, and then Duhas, Mish, the French. Eight days later, eight days later, 
the Bears open up their home season on September 11th at Soldier Field. So I don't know if they're hey. going to side in between. I don't know what the plan is. I'm just saying. I have no idea that the, all well, eyes, no matter what, for good or the, for good or bad, are going to be on them. And I, I I feel for them because they did nothing well, wrong. They did everything that they possibly could. And if somebody's got a problem with that, fuck them. Fuck them. Because got to guess. Yeah, understand something about a Rammstein crowd versus an Elton John <laughs> no, crowd. Yeah, okay. There, there's a huge difference because you see, uh, I actually, I actually went <laughs> to an Elton, an Elton John Demay. concert uh, in the early 2000s, and I was literally the youngest guy there, literally, <laughs> and it was a very quiet and polite crowd versus. I can only imagine what would be going on at a Rammstein crowd. I mean, all, all I'm going to say God. is that if there was if there was somebody, if I had to pick a pyrotechnics designer for my concert and I was Rammstein, I'd pick Ray because, uh, as Jay Pink alluded to, there's nobody that's there's nobody that's going to get more out of 100,000 gallons of jet fuel than Ray Ito. Let's be honest. All right, yeah. gentlemen, that is this week's Joe Knows Turf. Uh, and a big shout out to our sponsors, the patrons, patreon.com forward slash burner return. For those of you that do not understand what we do, uh, it's because of the patrons. We are going to host our upcoming second annual event, uh, at, at, uh, at Louisville, Kentucky. And, uh, and this is going to be open to our patrons. We're going to do a live show there and it is going to be the absolute time of your life. Uh, we're going to get to hang out with everybody. Look, we we are almost at capacity now. I'll tell you that right now. Like we are really, really close to capacity. So, if it's something you're interested in, uh, there's going to be a, a shit ton of people. How about that? There's going to be a shit ton of people. People that you see in the chat. People that have never commented before. There's going to be lawn pros there. There's going to be people that are like next level of, of homeowners are, that are there. There's going to be people there that probably hate taking care of their own yard. Uh, but are just interested in the industry because it's an escape of what they do for a living. But you know what? Everybody's there under a common cause. Everybody there is going to be incredibly polite. Everybody there is probably going to drink into excess, just a hair, except for Ray, who will be dr- carting us around in the uh, in the stoly pa- stolen paddy wagon uh, because <laughs> it's it's currently cool to ride around in police cars right now. Um, so if you're interested in doing that, there's other things too. We do the show after the show on Thursday. Our patrons, of course, pick the titles for every, uh, every, every week that we do the, uh, uh, burn and return. And, uh, and of course you get access to one-on-one time with myself, with Ray, with Ryan, uh, and of course the, the amazing community of people that are there that extend their support and their knowledge and, uh, and, you know, and help, help keep these things going and moving forward and trying to be, uh, you know, an asset to an industry that is unfortunately rife with bullshit. And so, uh, yeah, we're able to do all this. We we don't we don't we don't make money from it. We pour it all back into it, so we can do things like the meetup in Louisville, right? And uh, and so, thank you all for allowing us to be able to do that. And if you would like to be a part of that, Patreon.com forward slash Burn and Return. I think it starts at for the cost of a beer. Look at that, four bucks. It's cheaper than a beer. Uh, and uh, if you're of means and are able to do that, please. Uh, consider joining. If not, then no harm, no foul. We'll continue to put it out and still have access to all the free content that we do. Uh, gentlemen, let's check out this week's Burns. Fire! Fire is right. Because, damn it, I'm Sheila. coming out of the gate swinging. <laughs> Sheila needs the ointment this week, Ray. 
Sheila, Sheila's dealing with a bad case of monkeypox. That's when she was attempting <laughs> to use the bathroom there, and that was that was that noise, and it was uh, it was painful for her. But you know what? It we was worse than that time that she had with a mirror. Yeah, it, it was worse at that time that she had the nuclear wings and forgot to wash her hands before she wiped. Oh, Lord have mercy. That's always a bad day. Yikes. Yikes. Uh, speaking <laughs> of bad days, this week's first burn here is the epitome of a bad day for anyone who buys into this shit. Uh, biochar benefits <laughs> are reaching golf courses, uh, and this is by Jonathan Delosier, and you better believe he is going to get an email from me, and I can't wait to write this <laughs> one. Uh, and it writes, as increasingly large regions experience water shortages, California-based V-Grid Energy Systems, its Persist Biochar Soil Additive, aims to put a dent in required golf course hydration and fertilization. According to V-Grid, golf courses can cut water use by 40% through the use of biochar. Uh, it explains what it is. And then, of course, they have VGrid CEO and co-founder Greg Campbell says his company has allowed uh, select customers to try out Persist Biochar with plans calling for broader promotion to begin no later than September. More and more people have been expressing interest to us, but we're just starting to roll it out. Kind of word of mouth thing. Uh, we got a recent order from Twin Dolphin Golf Club down in Los Cabos. Uh, there are a couple other courses that are getting quotes and samples, but it's moving along pretty quickly after they hear about all the benefits. Oh, my God. <laughs> there were a ton of connections made through the GCSAA, but we're waiting on a big sales campaign. We want to be marketing in September. That's pretty set in stone. So anyway, I was like, all right, we've got another one here. There's been a shit ton of biochar companies to come and go. And I'm not just talking about Carbon Earth. Carbon Earth was not a paralysis company. Um, uh, but the latest one was uh, Cool Terra. If anybody remembers Cool Terra, Cool Terra used to be out there and uh, uh, specifically on the West Coast. And they did this exact same thing and it was the exact same thing that you hear here oh man we got a real big pipeline it's going really really good and uh and you know what that pipeline never really seemed to materialize uh it all sounds fun and good until you start talking about rates right rates at 10 to 20 percent soil composition of inclusion uh first how do you how do you move 10 percent of your soil towards biochar uh, that is a metric shitload of material that you need to incorporate in, into the soil. So to put that into perspective, a furrow slice of soil is what? Two million pounds? Two million pounds. Million so pounds. that's the amount of soil in an acre, right? So if you were to incorporate, uh, we'll say 20% of that, right? So you're talking about 400,000 that you would have to incorporate in an acre, uh, and if you didn't catch that, that's 400,000 pounds. Now, if you divided that, that would be 200 tons, 200 tons of biochar on an acre. That would give you about 20 biochar across the soil surface for an acre. And I don't know about you, Demay. I'm not a sports turf expert. You are. You tell me, is that what would be considered an acceptable Playing surface is 12 inches of biochar on top of the natural playing surface. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think when we it, got that out of the yeah. way. Uh, it's shit. It's absolute shit. That's insanity. But what VGrid does here is something special that everyone else that has uh, uh, produced biochar has done. And they've got these portable biochar reactor systems, these gasification units that you can put on site and get rid of your waste too, right? So if you're a farmer and you've got corn stovers or you've got pellets or you've got wood pellets or you've got acorns or walnuts or macadamias 
whatever kind of shells you want, even grass clippings, you can put it in this portable little gasification system and turn it out. Well, here's the thing. Say you collected every fucking grass clipping off your golf course for the entirety of the year. We'll say you've got 20 tons of, of grass clippings that have been collected of, through the course of the growing season. And you want to pyrolyze it. Well, you've got 20 tons by the time it comes time to pyrolyze it because, you know, it starts to degrade immediately after you cut it, right? Uh, and you run it through this pyrolysis reactor and, you know, it's going to take you a month to get all of it through it in these little portable units here. And then you end up with about 200 pounds of finished product, right? And then you got to take <laughs> that 200 pounds and you need, you need 400,000 pounds of finished product to treat your acre. And you've already got $10,000 in this rental unit showing up to be able to, uh, to pyrolyze all this material. Are you really making that big of a difference? Um, no. The reality of it is, is no. There is nothing unique about what they're doing. There's nothing special. And you have two patents and 20 patent pendings. Uh, and guess what? Their patents are absolute dog shit. It's about how they're able to move material through their reactor. And in fact... We'll go ahead and take a look at this. I'm going to send a link to JPink here. I'm sending this you this link, and if you go all the way down to the bottom, they're going to have a tab there that says Images. And if you go to Images, we'll take a look at one of their drawings here. And what they specifically do here, they're talking about being able to move material through this pyrolysis reactor, and they use these sensors to be able to detect the different types of feedstocks that you may be feeding into it because some of it may be grass clippings, some of it may be walnut shells, or uh, acorns or whatever it is you got laying around your golf course or whatever the deal may be. And, uh, and, and so that way, you know, you can feed it through and the sensors will tell you in case it gets fucked up in that auger. And then you go down and then it's got a little knife gate for you that, and they say this gate system is what it's going to allow you to do is to continue that, that, uh, that paralysis reaction, but it's going to keep uh, oxygen from entering the atmosphere. And they're going to rely on the pressure that's inside of this reactor to keep the oxygen out. Well, the majority of paralysis units that are going to be required to work, because what happens? What happens? So we'll say this thing heats to 900 degrees Celsius. That is really fucking hot, right? And it's going to be full of hydrogen and various combustible gases inside of there. But the only reason it doesn't explode at that time is that there's no oxygen to create a flame, right? <laughs> so you just have really, really hot, highly combustible gases. And so if you expose it to open air, what happens when oxygen gets in there? It goes boom. And there is a particular system that is called a chip engine that is a cellulose to hydrogen power engine that had one of these systems with a knife gate on the end. And when it opened, oxygen got into it, even though they keep it pressurized with nitrogen and argon, just enough oxygen was able to get in there that created a system burp. And when that system burped, that whole knife gate assembly on the rear end of it blew off at such high force that it went through a control room. Mind you, it blew a piece of four-inch plate steel directly through a fucking multi-layer concrete block wall and almost Holy killed fuck. people. And instead <laughs> of like a good company that says, well, we maybe we need to reevaluate their design, what did they do? They just put a cage around it more. so that the way the next time it went off, that it was at least somewhat contained by the cage, right? Because that's what ends up happening in these biochar sectors. So again... I'm not impressed by this. There's nothing unique that they're doing, and there's nothing particular that they're saying about their product that is even remotely fucking true. So uh, as of right now, Mr. Greg Campbell and your sweet, beautiful, you, sir, may fuck off. Yeah, he is another one of those uh, buy my shit people because 
I have a, a concern about introducing that much organic matter into soil, particularly what I consider similar to activated carbon. Because I've said this before in that what I would use to neutralize some kind of a chemical issue in soil would be massive amounts of activated carbon. And do you know why? Activated carbon is capable of taking up things like soil-persistent herbicides, for example. It'll take it up and, and remove it, and it'll do it very well. But here's the flip side to doing that. You have soil with that much activated carbon or its equivalent in there. You know what? I don't expect any future fungicide or herbicide applications to work worth a shit after that. Think about that. Yeah, 400,000 pounds of biochar, not a, not a chance. By the way, looking at their products here, they also have things like uh, Scent Away that they use. And for those of you that are wondering what the hell Scent Away is, uh, oh, no, no, this is, this is likely just their biochar in a bag, and they're calling it a bedding booster kind of thing. Um, mm. Chances are their system is also creating wood vinegar, and so there's going to be a liquid component that they have that they're going to be selling. I see right here that they they have a persist PAF liquid plant enhancer. Uh, and so my guess is that this is a wood vinegar, also known as pyroligneous acid, and it is usually oh, toxic God. as fuck. And uh, mm -hmm. it's a warning to anybody out there that is sold anything that is a liquid, that is a byproduct of any kind of biochar production facility, and whether they call it uh, uh, uh Pyroligneous oil, pyrolysis oil, uh, pyroligneous acid, wood vinegar. All of those names are code words for fucking holy shit, bad, bad, toxic compounds. And if anybody tries <laughs> to sell you that, do not fucking buy an ounce of it until you see the benzene loads in that material. And you also want to look for arsenic because, again, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you are accepting wood anywhere north of the Mason-Dixon line, there's a high probability that it is chock full of fucking arsenic because arsenic was used in production of some of these trees for a long damn time. And so uh, uh, it carries over. And when you pyrolyze this material, it carries off in the gas stream and they run these gas streams through scrubbers and that's where they get this fucking uh, uh, wood vinegar from. And it is toxic as shit. Cyanide as well, too. So lots of cyanide. Um, so anyway, there we go. Nemei. Uh, I'm going to write this guy an email and I'm going to BCC you on it. And, uh, and let's, let's absolutely blow his brain up in the best way possible. And maybe if we share his content, if we share our content with him, uh, he will, uh, he'll offer us some sort of a discount deal on our next purchase that we are not going to make from him. Uh, and then we can also <laughs> do a Jonas turf with the college. I'll do the same thing too. Uh, the oh. next one here, we, <laughs> Uh, for eco groups, less lawn fertilizer is the key to the uh, is the key to the water crisis. Uh, planning no to cut shit. your lawn short this weekend <laughs> or fertilize this fall? Think again, and your lawn, not to mention devastated Upswitch River, may thank you. The Ocean River Institute held two pop up events in Beverly and Salem on Wednesday to encourage neighboring cities to enter a friendly competition to effectively do the least amount of lawn maintenance in the future. Uh, when you fertilize the lawn, the roots stay at the surface. Uh, they're thirsty and push the plants apart and the bare spots that form between the plants. That's where the soil bakes and dries. 
What? What in the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> uh, Wait, the read that again. Read that again. Read that oh, again. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, need, I need to comprehend that, and I can only do it with, with hearing it. Uh, Demay, when you fertilize the lawn, okay, we're fertilizing it, the roots stay at the surface, okay? This is from the president of the Ocean River Institute. When you fertilize the lawn, the roots stay at the surface. They're thirsty. They're then thirsty. The, the then I inserted in there, so we're going to put that in brackets. They're thirsty and push the plants apart. And the bare spots that form because they're being pushed apart because they're thirsty between the plants, the bare spots that form between the plants, that's where the soil bakes and dries. Did you catch that? I'm going to go ahead and disagree that. that. Okay. Yep. Um, by the way, Rob War, I, I do not mind with what your 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 overall goal here is, but you, sir, for that line can go fuck yourself. Uh, the campaign is running as different ideas emerge for how to make residential properties more resilient, less water reliant amid an ever worsening drought, such as using native plants instead of those that are found outside of New England. It also comes as a water table across the country plummet to historic lows, leaving uh, a highly visual impact on the landscape. But it also isn't a new idea. The concept of going light on fertilizer has been promoted by Regional Greenscapes Coalition for more than a decade. It initially started working mainly with residents and changed their behaviors in environmentally friendly lawns. We've been promoting this since 2007, and we're still promoting it. Uh, I have to people about the importance of a healthy lawn. Uh, blah, 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 blah. If you're not putting fertilizer on, you're adding soil. I'm going to read that again. If you're not putting fertilizer on, you're adding soil, what? and it's healthier soil <laughs> that has worms in it and other animals that move up and down. The Ipswich River runs dry because the soils around it and aquifers around it are low. They don't recharge the water during the summertime. That's the only source of water in the ground. So we need to retain water in the ground by having lots of soil. There's plenty of water. <laughs> what? You just have to learn how to share and retain it, not shift it away. This is such big brain uh, uh, weirdness. I can't even wrap my brain around what goes on inside this guy's mind. Actually, you know what? Jay Pink, if you could throw this up, I'm fairly certain. And for those of you that are playing along at home, I'll, I'll explain it here in just a second. But I'm about 99% certain if you open up this guy's head, this is what you have. You have a cat take shit head using it as a litter box. Uh, <laughs> uh, because that's the same kind of big brain activity we have coming you know, from Matt, this guy right now. For someone like him, the Germans have a saying and literally oh, no. translated uh, it. Someone must have a shit in your head and forgotten to stir it. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I, I'm all for being being water conscious with what we're doing out there. Uh, I, I love <laughs> I love the idea of of teaching people to to use low inputs. I think even from a, a data standpoint, you know, people like Mike Woods have been able to show us that uh, you know you can do a lot of really really fantastic things with surface playability at reduced inputs. And uh, and so you know, it's not always a more is better type of approach, right? And I do like the idea of of people that if they're not interested in getting into the lawn care thing, by all means, 100%, plant a bunch of natives out there. That's not going to hurt anything at all. Uh, but I think this idea that the war on the American lawn and then chastising people, thinking that that is going to get them to be more conscious about what they're doing out there is the wrong approach. 
Uh, it has to be from an educational and from uh, from a, a data standpoint, rather than just saying you're a fucking idiot, you're a colonizer, uh, you're a a racist. Uh, it's rooted in racism. Uh, you're chasing the European ideal. You're you want your wife to be a midwife, and or whatever you know kind of chaos that that ends up ends up coming out of this thing, right? Um, you know, taking some sort of factual approach that, you know, look, here's reduced input programs. This is why they are continually effective. Here's the data that shows they're effective. Here is, uh, here's advantages of using, uh, native plants and kind of benefits you could get from it. And, you know, pick your poison on which direction you want to go kind of thing. You have to be transparent about all of it, not just single bits of it to phrase your narrative. Uh, Demay, you shared this. If I recall correctly, give me, give me, give me a little take here. Give me, give me some net neutrality. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if I can give you neutrality. I mean, I think it's a situation where. (sighs) These people are trying real hard. They are. And you have to give them credit for that. And I think you said at the open, right? That, what we want is also what they want. We just don't agree like at all of how to get there. And when you make erroneous statements like this, it becomes a major problem and we've got to deal with it head on like we're doing here. And that's just the end of it. So, um, Ray, here's my question to you is, we seem it seems like we're taking on more and more of this this uh should i say hate how do we get in front of this that's my question to you all is rather than always sit here and respond to this how do we get in front of this is there a way to do this you know what other than start twitter wars at three o'clock in the morning no, no i literally practice low input turf care i mean for me that is the name of my game because I'm stuck on a little island in the middle of nowhere and being wasteful in terms of labor or materials, that will jump back up and bite you in the ass sooner than you think. Okay? So I, I take special offense at the idea that a lawn is especially wasteful. Because, you know, I put my money where my mouth is literally because I practice low input. I counsel people regarding lower input turf care as well. And the thing is, is that I want to know what professional turf manager, for example, would think, hey, Let's waste money doing more than what needs to be done and applying more than what needs to be done. And that is my sustainable long-term business model because at the end of the day, I think most people are sensible, reasonable, and frugal in that they do not want to spend more or do more than what's actually absolutely necessary. So I, I wish know, that these folks would get that. I, I just don't know what it's going to take. Yeah, to because because I, I I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like for in a lot of cases, 
people are under the idea that, oh, lawns, they consume shit tons of water, fertilizer, etc. And they need a lot of mowing. Well, why do you think I use plant growth regulators? Why? To reduce the amount of mowing. <laughs> for, for your, specifically how to get out in front of this, Demay, in my opinion, and I'm going to be a little bit black-pilled on this, I think it's too late uh, to get out in front of it. I think the only way this is going to be reset back to normal will be some sort of, of catalyst, right? And it, unfortunately, and I think this is actually going to parlay into our next uh, article here. And I think it's going to take something like that to reevaluate the way we look at fertilizer and then understand that there are ways that we, not specifically in food production, can mitigate in, th in ways that we are mitigating right now uh, how we approach our industry. And we're doing it from a data standpoint. And I think a, a, the, the, the problem at this point, the problem at this point is that too many of the uh, ways to disseminate information minds are already made up. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and it doesn't matter if you take someone with a million followers and you put it out there on a weekly basis, it's not going to put a dent in it when you have the weight of the entirety of the media behind you. Uh, if anybody saw the opinion piece from the New York Times about the, uh, the the war of the American lawn, it's about how the American lawn is waging war against the environment. We're all going to burn to death because of it. Um, that's the case in point, right? And you know, how are you going to compete with CNN, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, uh, Bloomberg? And you 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 can't at this point. And so there's going to have to be some sort of reckoning that takes place. And then when that does. You cling on to that reckoning as much as possible to show with data your justification on why what you do and how you do it is the appropriate way to do it. Um, and so, again, where I'm parlaying into this next one here, it reads, enormous fertilizer shortage spells disaster for global food crisis. Uh, the high cost of fertilizers will likely keep the cost of food dangerously high. Um, officials at the United Nations and beyond are stepping up warnings about the mounting crisis for fertilizers and essential substance to boost soil fertility. As vulnerable countries in areas such as Africa grapple with prices that have soared by 300% since Russia's war in Ukraine began, the continent where smallholder farm, farmers feed the majority of people is already lacking 2 million metric tons of fertilizer, according to the African Development Bank. The high price of fertilizers will mean less food at a time when people need it most. With more frequent bouts of extreme weather and the Ukraine war still leaving import-dependent countries insecure, farmers in Europe are feeling similar strains, though to a lesser degree. We're really starting to yell from every, every tower that there's a fertilizer crisis, and the fertilizer crisis is enormous. Uh, the African Development Bank said in May that many African countries have already seen price hikes in bread and other uh, food items, warning that if this deficit is not made up, food production in Africa will decline by at least 20%, and the continent could lose over $11 billion mm. in food production Jeez. value. Uh, but David Beasley, executive director of the UN World Food Program, said he thought the 20% estimate could be very low. There's 980 million people inside Africa that depend on the smallholder farm and the fertilizer to reach them, and we're working on these issues as we speak. Artificial fertilizers are made by using one of three primary ingredients, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. The final product is then spread over fields to provide crops with nutrients that are either missing or in short supply in the soil. Making fertilizers is an energy-intensive process, especially for nitrogen-based fertilizers, which use natural gas as an essential ingredient. That means the price of fertilizers tend to uh, uh, correlate with energy costs. 
And of course, as we all know, natural gas, Europe right now, you're, uh, uh, Russia, not looking good. Uh, with the Nord Stream turbines, you know, being cut down to only 20% capacity and uh, Siemens not being or getting into them and they're not turning it back on and using it as leverage to do this and do this. Now, what's interesting is that, especially here at home, and this is going to parlay into another uh, article we're going to be talking about a little bit later on, is that we have seen a slight dip in prices. Uh, and we are seeing a little bit of dip in prices in the global commodity market. However, we have yet to see the full burden of uh, on natural gas as we move into the fall. For those of you that are unaware, uh, I believe up to this point, there have been less uh, that have turned off due to the cost of natural gas right now, 11. So uh, you take 11 and the amount of exports that come from there, and then you can start doing the math and see where they're coming up with this 20% uh, uh, estimate and how it could potentially be uh, significantly higher by the time we're rolling into this time next year, right? So the the and remember how the cycle is going to go right right now well coming up here in about a month is when yields are are going to start to be analyzed harvests are going to start to be analyzed they're going to be put out into the market people are going to start collecting their money use that money to put down payments on fertilizer and then they're going to start taking taking receipt of it right well that'll continue on for like normal and then you're going to see force majeure after force majeure after force majeure people aren't going to get their fertilizer their their cash is going to be tied up in the fertilizer they're not getting delivery of acres aren't going to get planted. And then we move into the next harvest season is when we'll, you know, we start reaping the benefits of that too. Right. So, um, I, again, I, you know, are we shielded here at home? Yes. For the time being, uh, in the event we start playing world police and, you know, in the event we have to, uh, or, 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 or take on the, uh, uh, the savior approach, which again, I don't understand how in this, uh, in this type of catastrophe, I think everybody has to, to some degree, right? Because who, who wants to bear the burden of responsibility of watching people starve to death? I know I don't, right? And so what, what can be done has to be done to some extent. And, uh, because we, you, you certainly just can't let people just fucking die for shits and giggles, um, and high fives at the end of the day. You know, I think that's a, that's an absolutely terrible approach. But on the flip side is what can we afford to be able to shell out at this point when we're just now getting back up to normal production levels that we've been missing for the last two years, right? So I don't know. It's a shitty situation for everybody involved to be in, and uh, and it's definitely something we have to keep our eye on because it's going to get even weirder between now and then because uh, we're starting to get a further into the idea of reducing nitrogen uh, from our fellows up north out of Canada. And so for those of you that have not been paying attention, the World Economic Forum has this idea that we're going to reduce uh, nitrogen dioxide emissions by reducing the either the amount of farm acres that are that are down or the amount of nitrogen fertilization that's taking place. And what's odd is that they do not count manure as nitrogen fertilization, which is beyond fucking me, drives me crazy. And that's why you have protests in Ireland. That's why you have, if anybody saw in, uh, 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 where was it, in Norway. I don't know if anybody saw this, but there was a tractor that had showed up with a ton of hay and apparently it was mixed with manure too and was using a straw <laughs> blower and blowing it right into the faces of uh, of uh, the, the police there as part of that protest. And my goodness, I 
I don't know, man. And basically what they're saying is that uh, uh, far against the federal government, nothing has happened many, many times. Uh, but when you start making targets like, oh, you know, we have to reduce uh, nitrogen dioxide emissions uh, by 30 percent uh, by 2030, and then we have to get to a net zero by 2050, and the way uh, we're going to do better. The thing is that what we need is transparency in the path to get there, right? So if they want to, if they want to reduce emissions. Let's see exactly how they plan on doing it. They keep going back and saying that we're not going to limit uh, nitrogen, but they won't say exactly how they're going to get there. And that is the part that has people freaked out. And I, and I don't care who you are. Anybody that is being told, trust us, we got this, you should freak the fuck out until uh, they tell you exactly why they should trust you, right? Uh, what, what, what is the old saying? Trust, but verify. I say, fuck that. Don't trust, verify, then trust, right? Earn, earn respect, earn trust kind of sort of thing. And, uh, and so anyway, this is, this is a thing that's happening and it's bad, uh, because there's not enough transparency around this. In my opinion, gentlemen, I want to ask you y'all's opinion on this. Uh, are they being transparent enough? Is there anything to cause for concern? We're in the midst of a global fertilizer crisis. We're protected here in the United States. Canada's making these decisions. If it comes between supporting the global economy, I would say the United States would probably take care of Canada first and then move on to the rest of the global economy just due to proximity and the amount of trade, the, the type of trade relationship we have. Are we teetering on the edge of fuckery again? Yes, we are. I'd say we are, and I, I'd say that the lack of transparency indicates something else, Matt. And you know what that is? What's that? This is, this is where nutcases like me might not be wrong at all. You see, this is all part of the depopulization and collectivization of the world you know i i'm frequently fond of this saying and you know what that saying is is you will own nothing you'll have nothing you'll eat bugs and you will be thankful for it and that's where i think we're headed okay that's where we're that's where we're headed because i know in the pre-show i was telling matt that I saw something in my news feed this morning that made me mildly sick and that there was a proposal in the UK to tax Oops. meat. Okay? Can you all imagine that? Let's tax meat. And I understand when governments tax, that is... Not for the purpose of revenue collection. No, that is a means of coercion and force. So, you know, it's happening. <laughs> Demay <laughs> tried to soften that. Um, beep. No, 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 I came in too late with the beeps, but see, see if you can soften that up a little bit. No pressure. <laughs> I don't think it's as bad as what Ray says, but I do think, you know, what's interesting 
and uh, I listen. We've talked enough on this show uh, to know that if you're on the extreme on one side or the other, it's quite likely that we're not going to listen to you. I mean, we'll listen to you, but we won't hear what you're saying. And and, and so, I don't think Ray's at all there. I'm not talking about Ray. I'm just talking in general. Is that uh, you know when you come out and you hear people talk about how we're going to combat some of the issues that we're dealing with with respect to climate change or whatever uh it's it's as if they're not living in the world that we're living in and mm-hmm. i think that's one of the one of the things that is concerning from a uh a domestic and a political aspect is that you know nobody's going out and saying that hey because I have a tax credit to install a electric vehicle charging station at my home, I'm okay with, you know, um, reducing the amount of nitrogen that can be placed on crops. You know, it, 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 it just doesn't equal up right in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things, right. When we're trying to, you know, do the scorecard of life, um, you know, par on the, uh, feeding people hole is a little bit different than par on charging my Tesla whole right like it's not it's not necessarily equal so i guess suffice to say is this is that um pragmatism used to be a good thing and i think it's been overplayed to the point where now we're solving individual problems in a vacuum and not really understanding the downstream effects and again i go back to it and you know, I, I, I'm not saying it because I coined it, but it's like, you know, the velocity of change thing. If there's a reason to do it, I'm all for doing it. But how are we backfilling that need, right? What are we doing to make sure that people are taken care of? Whether it's, you know, uh, getting them gas in their cars, getting them to get excited about buying electric cars or feeding their family, right? Whether it's here or in uh, sub-Saharan Africa, there, there's got to be some balance there is all I'm saying. And so hopefully we get there. I don't know. But uh, articles like this make me nervous about it, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. I'm, I mean, doesn't it make you very uh, nervous? Because at a time when we have a, a, a looming food issue, we also have governments where they literally, their message is, I don't give a fuck about you if you starve. Saving the earth is more important than making sure you have enough food to eat and your family has enough food to eat there. You know, that seems to be the actual message when you sit down and think about it. We don't care that people are going to starve. It is more important to save the earth. You know, Ryan Dan had, and you know, certainly there's smart people in these rooms, and uh, and and 100%, absolutely, there are smart people in these rooms. But again, the lack of transparency in this idea that we should just trust them unequivocally mm-hmm. because they have our best interests in mind is crazy. No, we do not have to trust you just because you say you have our best interests in mind. And just because you're 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 a smart person on paper, for instance, we don't know that. We don't know what kind of validation you've been through. Just because you're hyper focused in 
whatever it may be. Do you all remember the time I got in trouble from a PhD because he was a co-author on a paper and I, I kind of held his balls <laughs> to a fire over what he co-authored versus what he was able to state publicly on the topic at hand? And that's my point. I'm not saying that that guy is is uh, is unintelligent or whatever the case may be. He said he's just so narrow focused on what he researched, which was not what he co-authored in that paper. He was just a co-author. He was not the researcher. And then he doesn't really know anything about it. And so while we may have some of the brightest people in this room, it may not be their specific area of expertise or whatever the case may be. And again, any group that is telling you to trust them without being open and 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 forthcoming with the data on how they're going to achieve this or any without any sort of rollout plan of okay if we if we start to do x y is the result and we have this data that we're logging uh as we're implementing it and we have x number of years on the front before we even that it's it's apples to apples as far as what we're we're getting in in output now, again, I'm going to go back to the big brain people that, you know, like a old boy who graduated from Cambridge uh, that was like, you know, what we need to do is stop referring to yield as yield and refer to it as nutrient density efficiency or whatever, whatever redefinition it was. Yeah, whatever, and, whatever he said. <laughs> and, that's, and that's and that's a bunch of dog shit. Right. And and again, I know he thinks that I would buy that dog shit because I'm just a lowly turf guy. And I don't know what I'm talking about. And so I should just trust him on it because he has published papers. When in reality, I think that's even more of a standpoint that I know enough to be dangerous. And I know enough to tell that I should be able to tell you, fuck you and fuck off because you're throwing a bunch of word artistry at me. That means nothing, sir. Fuck you. Go do something else. Stay the fuck out of my industry because I'm worried about people starving and you're worried about definitions. I don't know. It's crazy, and uh, and I just I hope I hope there is a, uh, a a common sense into this, and that in the event it does become cataclysmic, that uh, you know we we get to redefine what fertilizer actually is, and and lose this idea that uh, fertilizer is this uh, enigma, this bad thing, you know. And I think that's why when people are sounding the alarm on the fertilizer crisis right now, nobody gives a fuck because they all see fertilizer as inherently bad thing. Speaking of inherently bad things. Uh, this is a terrible, terrible article on Fox News. And it says, lawn care is made easy this summer with synthetic grasses. Here's green this summer. One home contractor has a recommendation. Forever Lawn is a synthetic grass company that makes different types of grass for homeowners' needs. Two brothers from northern Ohio, Dale and Brian Carmi, founded the company in 2004. It has over 80 dealers across the United States and Canada as a leader in the synthetic turf industry. Uh, Skip Bedell joined Fox and Friends on Wednesday morning to showcase different options for people's homes, no matter where they live or what type of climate to have. Uh, the landscape option for forever long made in requires no fertilization and uh, seeding. It's really great for the environment. Why for places like California where you get five hundred dollar fine if you water your lawn? Okay, that's great. Uh, play play the video. Play, play the video. Oh, okay, okay. Play the video. You're gonna you'll, you'll get. Just really riled up after this part. <laughs> landscaping project. Skip Bedell here to break down the custom solutions for every yard. Take it away. Guys, I'm here with Forever Lawn, and this is absolutely an amazing product. So no matter where you live in the country, if you have high heat, low sun, a lot of Billy, water. Billy Mays did a little water, bit of coke this morning, didn't he? With your 
lawn. This is yep. a great solution to it. <clears throat> right off the top. Sure for breakfast, and I feel fucking awesome. Uh, rather than a real lawn, is no organic. So this is going to. I thought when the sun came up, you were holding a revolver in your hand. Is that is that not the way it works? I see. He he slept the night before. <laughs> he just boot with uh with the gram. That's the difference there. That's how you get on TV for an interview he's and sl- feel he's... awesome. <laughs> Drain well is going to work well in any situation. Best part is no watering, no seeding, no fertilizer, watering. no pesticides. So it's really great for the environment. Water. Oh, it's really great for the like environment. Oh my gosh. To water your lawn. So unbelievable forever lawn. I have a lot of different types to show you. Right, there's so, a lot of different versions. This, this is a landscape. So you're going to redo your whole yard with this. We this also have parts here that we can redo a portion of your yard. So this is a canine courtyard. I love this. This is designed specifically for right dogs. There. So let me show you how this works. So uh, that's this Adobe. That's Adobe. That's Adobe. I know, so I know. I had a small <laughs> area in your yard, and then you've trained the dog to go just to that area. This is my brother, Carl. He's a professional dog trainer. You guys have seen him on the show before. He recommends this all his clients so that they have a dedicated perimeter the dogs go there rather than you know going all over your yard and burning holes in your lawn this is so a the, great idea the canine grass is genius and uh it's a big big seller with us uh, thanks so for not having us have the dog show us what the dog <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, <laughs> have this, we have this one to show so this is playground grass i love this guys if you have kids this is awesome what's super oh, safe antimicrobial technology built into this anti-static these are the play mounds you can put them over real grass or over your artificial turf it comes with a soft backing behind it so really a safety in mind with the kids playing on this really great options with a balance beam slides <laughs> and all different options you can incorporate into your yard for the kids seems perfect when you have a child like mine who seems committed to falling at every opportunity yeah and then you have a dedicated area yeah. that's safe for them We've right been so seeing this more and more and more sports grass oh is huge lord right putting a little sports complex in their backyard this is by the way what okay the store uh demay talk to me when we are talking about surface temperatures of uh of uh artificial turf Ooh. right Ooh, and you ooh, and ooh. we say say you know hey look i've got you know I, my my backyards you know 25 28,000 square feet. Say, I just, I did that. And, you know, I went ahead and just ran it right up to the house, you know? And, uh, and mind you, you know, I got a, I got a little 1600 square foot rancher here, nothing big. And, uh, and you know, it gets, it gets pretty hot. For instance, I had to, I had to do some work in the attic the other week and it was, it was 146 degrees Fahrenheit when I was in my attic and I, man, it was hot. I mean, it was real hot. I had about like seven minutes. I was in a fucking Tyvek suit too. And I thought, I thought I was, I thought I was going to die. I thought that was the end of me there. And, uh, and I was okay with it. In fact, I probably would have preferred to die in that situation. Um, but I'm just curious, you know, if I had, uh, you know, I know, uh, natural as as a, uh, a cooling effect, you know, especially having it, having it right there around the side of your house and stuff. What what would the surface temperature of that artificial grass be if I had that in lieu of in lieu of natural ga- grass? I'm so glad you asked that question because I have a good friend up in uh, the New England area that uh-huh. shared this just the other day. J Pink, go ahead. It's pull cold, that up. so I'm sure it's cool. It's really cool up there. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, uh, so uh, good one lord, one fifty six point five on the synthetic. We're ninety two degrees air temp and uh you know again the sun right the solar energy that we're getting this and if you want to measure that in uh micromoles per meter squared or or if you want to measure that in langley's i don't know what units you want to use take your fucking pick but this at a very northern latitude is hot as fuck now matt and Wright, let me ask you this 
Imagine this in East Tennessee, and then let me ask you again. Imagine yourself in, you know, southern Florida, Miami, Naples, something like that. Could you imagine or, right now going out to football practice? I mean, hey, for kids, real, right now. I don't understand why the hell are you not out there playing on your damn kids' playground that Pussies. we built you with the, yeah, you're a bunch of soft-ass kids. Uh, back in my day, we had no problem playing that. We were, we were fighting snakes and spiders off us all fall. Uh, I mean, this would smoke some kids' feet. Literally, it would smoke their feet off. Could you imagine trying to walk around barefoot on 160 Fahrenheit? Yeah, <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that's what they do for training, Matt. You got to run. You got to fucking run wind sprints, hundred yard yeah, wind is, sprints is on the hundred. Tony Robbins doing the fire coal walk or something. <laughs> yeah, stay yeah. hard. It's, 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 stay it's, hard. Yeah, it's Robbins and Gargans. Ro- Robbins and Gargans in one. <laughs> in one <Hey>. and, but. <laughs> Here's the other, here's my other question is that when a lot of this is done, what then happens to the average air temperature in that entire area? Okay. Oh, it's a heat, yeah, it's a heat sink. It, 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 no, it becomes what's called a heat island. And what is the other issue? That's being talked about now where I just uh, saw this other thing in my news feed where the government of Spain has mandated that people turn up the thermostat on their ACs. Okay? Yeah. So instead of your house being cool, your house is now fucking hot. Yeah, I'm going to, here's the thing is that mm. I can set it at 72, but if I have a yard full of artificial turf, it'll hold at a cool 86 with it set at, at 72. So, you know, nothing to worry about there. It is turned up naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's mean, natural. So, so the, you know, my question is, is that, you know, with all of this hatred of natural grass, are we solving what's what I consider a non-problem and just creating an actual problem, a tangible problem. Because my question is, how are we going to manage and control temperatures when everything is artificial turf? Because I've seen it for myself where, uh, I remember when Aloha Stadium was in use and I think it was a college team or something that uh, went on that surface and my God, the poor players were passing out and worse because the combination of, I guess, 90 degree heat ambient, you know, not including the surface of the turf, and of course, eighty percent humidity. Guess what that does to somebody? It ain't yeah, pretty. You sh- <laughs> yeah, you shut down. Yeah, it ain't no, pretty. It's, it's heat stroke. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's the that's the thing is, and, and I think. Well, wait. I mean, while we're talking, about this, I think we've talked about this, but um, let me see. What is the carbon sink? Actually, of synthetic turf. I'm just curious. How much photosynthesis is taking place there? Like, 
Zero. Yeah, what do you think? You're getting, are you getting a, a million tons of CO2 per acre that's being sequestered into the soils with oh, artificial and, turf with their and here's one carbon more, capture one more technology? Question. Can you biochar? You know, you know when this stuff gets uh, worn out and ugly? What happens to that thing that then has to get stripped off like a carpet, thrown oh, no. away, and replaced? You put it in a pyrolysis yep. reactor. No. What you, happens you, to I, it? I, I, I thought you turned it into like 100,000 flashlights. <laughs> Listen, work. all right. I, 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 I want to read this real quick because I think we've talked about it on here before. But in the, in the vein of the buy my shit bullshit. All right. Listen, this is a major turf manufacturer's take on uh, synthetic turf heat and temperature. So right there, J. Pink, the top thing. Fibers absorb and retain heat in a way that natural grass doesn't. It's important to note, however, that turf heat is not a player safety issue. Rather, it's a player what? comfort issue. Research what? has shown That's that while more... the fibers are hot, creating the higher temperatures at the ground and knee level, surface heat dissipates as it rises to the chest and head levels, areas clear critical for player safety. What about when you're laying on the fucking Matt, ground after Matt, you get Matt. tackled by 200-pound gorilla flying at you at 28 miles an hour? Matt, can you please Your head's tell me ringing. which event we're competing in in the mental gymnastics to get to this point? Uh, J-Pink, do you still have the one handy of the big brain guy with the cat using his brain as a litter box? Uh, because this is, this is the kind of mental gymnastics we're after right here. Yeah. Uh, by the you way, see, by the way, you, you can buy this. This is the grass factor. This is the first NFT from the grass factor. You can buy this right now. You know what? Um, for the, for the guy that came up with that incredible display of mental gymnastics, I think. You know what he needs? He needs to have David Goggins behind him, oh. no, screaming at him. You know, stay hard, stay hard. While David Goggins <laughs> is running his fucking ass off on that <laughs> surface that he says, thinking, "Oh, the heat dissipates." I want to see thinking, that. <laughs> I was gonna say naked bear crawls until the guy. Yes. The the writer par passes out, and uh, at that point, you know he'll have his penis in an unfinished, uh, you know, flashlight. It's just you know, raw materials. Oh, the for a new flashlight. the, the astroturf the astroturf version. Yes. Yeah, you know it, it's like you know if you if you don't want to yeah if you don't want to make your own with a scotch pad at home. The AstroTurf one's the next best finish. You know? All right. I'm just going to read the rest of these because we need to move yeah. on. No, well, uh, we'll just move on. Move on. We'll do these later. We'll do them later. Go on. Okay. Go okay. On. Okay. Uh, let's check out this week's returns. All right, uh, leading the way in lower fertilizer prices, we have urea and anhydrous ammonia. Urea is up 240% year over year, but we're up we're down 6% compared to last month. Uh, so <laughs> oh, zero, zero inflation in the month of, of July. So we're doing really, really good there. Uh, in You've the same vein, uh, anhydrous ammonia is up 0% inflation as well. It's down 5% from last month. 
uh, with an average of 1387 a ton, and your 12 a ton. Uh, this will be really uh, uh, Matt Dap uh, Potash is up just absorbently high. Uh, you know, Potash is potassium chloride is 883 a ton. That is so fascinating to me. I have bought potash as low as $200 a ton. Uh, so it's just, it's absolutely fascinating. Nutrient says they're working on it. Damn it. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll <laughs> yeah. see. They're hoping, I'm sure they're going they're hoping real by fast. 2025. <laughs> by 2025, they're, they're going to have it all figured out. They said, you know, after we've like 40% after we bankrupted everybody. Right. And we, <laughs> we allow them to skate on their fucking credit. Cause it's chapter 11. We'll welcome them yeah. back as customers. Back at our normal rates of two hundred to three hundred dollars a ton. That's our promise <laughs> yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. We will two, fuck two you. Years what, ago. What's, what's the what's the old lawyer two, joke, Ray? What's the difference between a hooker and a lawyer, Ray? Ah, the uh, I I don't know that one, but is it good? A hooker will stop fucking you when you're dead. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Good good one. Good one because I'm suspecting That's, that uh the lawyer will not only screw you. It's also a nutrient dead. too. Nutrients lawyers. Nutrient is the lawyers. Yeah, all right, go yeah, on. We'll, we'll, yeah, well Yeah, the lawyer will will screw you while you're dead and proceed to screw the your the rest of your surviving family. There, That's I said right. it. <laughs> nutrient nutrient will literally come back and say, All right, listen. We're good on that all that debt, but yeah, it's going to be three hundred a ton now. So, <laughs> yeah, don't go production just back up, guys. And, and <laughs> you know, uh, hold hold the entire port down in New Orleans hostage so nobody can unload. Like it's the American way, baby. With Yara, and I I completely made up that story, but I did it. Uh, they did they unload their ESN, so uh, Yara could not actually unload their uh, their Amidas. Funny how that works. Good, good, safe company to have on your side up in uh, up, up in our North American partners here. Uh, Georgia hey. Tech has a $26 million partnership with the National uh, National Science Foundation to transform fertilizer production. Hey, Georgia Tech's getting in. Fun fact, by the way, and I'm not going to say who this is, but it is someone who is related to me. Um, and this person who is related to me said oh. uh, some, some of the... <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually. Yes, it is. Uh, Turf, Turf Truth is, uh, is my brother. Um, it, it said that the worst engineers he has worked with uh, over the last few years have come out of Georgia Tech. Uh, Kennesaw State, on the other hand, has some of the highest quality engineers he's worked with. So uh, anyway, that's just mm. food for thought. Uh, thanks to efforts to combat climate change, many have heard the catchphrase closing the carbon loop, a global effort to convert carbon dioxide into something useful to mitigate the damaging effects of pollution on the planet. Another environmental challenge relates not to carbon dioxide, but nitrogen. Now an ambitious plan to close the nitrogen loop is underway, and with it comes a potential revolutionized agriculture in the U.S. and around the world. Uh, uh, Georgia Tech will be part of CASFER, an NSF engineering research center with four other universities supported by an initial grant of $26 million from NSF. CASFER seeks to transform the United States from nitrogen cycle pollution to a nitrogen circular economy. God, the fucking language here. Uh, <laughs> technologies and programs for capturing, recycling, producing, decarbonizing nitrogen-rich fertilizers. This can't be real. Georgia Tech is joined by the Florida Agricultural Mechanical University, Case Western Reserve University, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and Tennessee Tech University. By the way, uh, MIT is also the same uh, university that put out our favorite Stephanie Seneff 
and uh, and her infatuation <laughs> with uh, uh, publishing uh, publishing articles in, in papers that will not get peer reviewed because he knows it will not pass the water test. Uh, Texas Tech University, which will lead the effort and serve as Casper's headquarters. Nitrogen is used in many commercial applications, but one of the most significant uses of MBFs is for growing food. MBFs are put out in the fields, but most do not get used. 80% are washed away or wasted. We're back. We're doing this again. 80%. Yeah, 80%. We're doing this and, again. 80%. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because then I'm not going to read the rest of this because uh, already it's I'm lost. I'm lost on this. 80% is the absolute worst horrific counter. It's the yeah. That is not reality. Has that happened before? Yes. Is that the norm? No, it is not. And to pretend no. like it is, is disingenuous. And again, this is more fuckery intended to continue to fuck with your mind, my mind, everyone who reads this mind, and put it into the populace so we're all scared of fertilizer. So you, Georgia Tech, can fuck off. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, fuck thanks off. Thanks for nothing. And I, I read a little bit further down, God and here's my, my question. Uh, you know, them talking about removing nitrogen fertilizer from water? Okay, that sounds like a very energy-intensive process, okay? It's more of this environmental smoke and mirrors, and you get something out of nothing when the reality is is that there, all of these uh, you know, procedures have a high cost in energy, they don't actually work in reality. And furthermore, by doing this, someone is going to have to go without. Somebody is going to be de deprived. Someone is going to starve to death. And nobody is talking about that transparently. They're I all saying, I, you know, they're all saying, oh, we'll, we'll do this. This will be wonderful. However, they're not telling you the absolute fucking truth in that somebody's going to starve to death because of this. Mm. They figure it out. I really do. Um, but I cannot, I cannot sit and read this and pretend like this is genuinely in the best interest. This is designed to inflame and it's designed to shit on uh, everything we do right now. It's designed to shit on all the advancements we've made, all the, uh, uh, the progressive actions, all the uh, the evolution that's occurred in the industry, it's for naught because they're Georgia Tech and they have it figured out and we don't. It's exactly well, how because, that reads to me. Yeah, because likewise, this is another, I guess, attack on farmers and growers because you remember what I said about uh, turf care operators? In the public's mind, farmers are the same. Farmers want to waste, waste, waste. You know? Let's uh, spray glyphosate hey. by, by the metric ton. Let's fertilize until, you know, the fields are white. And you know what? That is so detached from reality when the reality is, is that farmers are some of the least wasteful people I know of. They can't afford to. Demay, <laughs> Demay you, you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on you. <laughs> this was entered as a return. It triggered me uh, because I'm sensitive. 
and uh, probably because I'm well, not, I do not have the mental acuity to ever cut it at Georgia Tech, and I'm jealous, and so that's why I'm <laughs> having a meltdown. I don't know. Listen, don't don't let your SEC inferiority complex cloud your respect for the ACC. I mean, just don't let it happen. But <laughs> that was low. That was really fucking. Be low. strong. Be strong. You're a life champion, and you should fucking relish jackets. that. You should relish that. All right, so I'll, I'll, uh, the reason I put this in return is my. Uh, how did they get $26 million from the National Science Foundation? That's a lot of money. Well, That's a grant. That's a lot of money. And I'm okay. just wondering. Well, I, I'm just, I know what's up. I'm just up. asking the question. You're George. What? I know what's up. George. Okay, this is why I even... Georgia boys. These NGOs are extremely compromised. Oh, okay? I know how to. Oh, here we go. I know. They are extremely how. compromised because all of these Gerald NGOs Henry. have <laughs> oh, bought into koi fished. Koi fished his way. Depopulation and anti people agenda. They have they have bought They've bought into it, and therefore, anybody that is on board with that depopulation and anti-people agenda, they'll get money. They'll get backing from these NGOs. Think about this very hard, everybody. Anytime you have an, 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 you know, an environmental NGO or even a science NGO, what their actual agenda is, they want to get rid of people because people are the problem. They don't mind if people perish Beep. due to starvation or pestilence. Beep. Okay? They don't Beep. mind because that is their actual agenda or endpoint. <laughs> we all need I'm to just die saying, in the I'm name of saying, these, uh, I, these I, organizations. I, I Ray is in a really from. good mood. I see how you're coming from. We've we've uh, this is actually this this segment brought to you by Reynolds Wrap. Uh, uh, but and I was the serial this. killer that drilled holes in people's brains to control them. Uh, that was Dahmer, wasn't it? Dahmer, Dahmer, yes. Dahmer. Did that. Yeah. yeah. This and segment is brought to you by Reynolds Wrap and Gerald Jeffrey Dahmer's drill, and especially that guy that escaped. And then, you know, found the police and almost made it home free. But the police said, oh, no, you're just over here. Uh, never, I, I can't finish that joke. It was going to be fucking spectacular. <laughs> it was going to be great, but I can't finish it on here. I'll finish it later. Anyway, uh, <laughs> listen, uh, my, the point I have in putting this in the returns, you know where I was going with that. You know where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> absolutely if this episode doesn't do it then i don't know we're not trying hard enough we really aren't but, do. Uh, come and get it <laughs> we're gonna be on fucking vimeo next week by the way can we get a don't tread on me sticker in the bottom left corner <laughs> oh, oh gosh we'll be labeled as domestic terrorists by tuesday yeah well, yeah like i said Moving we'll be on right vimeo. vimeo all right Hey, it's been a great show. I got nothing else. <laughs> Boys, I love you. It's been awesome. This is a double live. We haven't done the double live ever. Uh -uh. We've done a twofer, but we've never done a double live.
Hey, y'all be wary. MK Ultra is real and they're out to get us. Love y'all. See you now on the next one. <laughs>